It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create a predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for, in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people that never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and Without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So, to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K dot com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am very excited to be talking with my guest today. Joining me is Peter Shankman. He's one of the most sought-after keynote speakers on customer and social economies, founder of, I always call it Heyro, <laughs> help Close a reporter enough. out, um, founder and CEO of the Geek Factory, a digital agency based in New York, founder of Shank Minds, an online community for entrepreneurs, author of multiple books, including Zombie Loyalist, using great service to create rabid fans, and he is the host of the Faster Than Normal podcast, which embraces the concept that having ADD or ADHD is a gift and not a curse. So, Peter Shankman, welcome to Accelerate. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So, take a minute, maybe, if there's anything I left out of the introduction, uh, fill that in. No, you pretty much have it. I mean, I, I, I spend the majority of my time now focused on, um, I run a mastermind for entrepreneurs called Shank Minds, and we are a, uh, it's a 150-person uh, online mastermind at shankminds.com, and we, we sort of get through the entrepreneurial process because it is sometimes not an easy one. Um, I am a corporate keynote speaker. I am a, uh, I do stand-ups, video stand-ups for companies, uh, in, in, um, the aspect of, uh, either contributing to them or being an influencer or things like that. And, um, I have four books out. I have a fifth one coming out in November of next year. Got it. So I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't do a lot. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you're taking it easy these days. Exactly. So your website says that I was going to quote this as a spectacular example of what happens when you merge the power of pure creativity with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and a dose of adventure and make it work to your advantage. So you know, I think you probably came of age before all the media and medical attention was really paid to ADHD. I mean, I did. I mean, were you just perceived as a difficult child? <laughs> I was. I was. I had sit down and shut up. You're disrupting the class disease. And what's funny about that is because is based on that. The one thing I didn't mention is I actually run the number one podcast on ADHD on the internet called Faster Than Normal, and we look at ADHD as a gift, not a curse. Uh, if you master it and you know how to manage it, it actually uh, winds up working really, really well to your advantage if you know 
how to deal with it and if you sort of put your life in a situation where you can make it work for you. So was there a particular sort of breakthrough or epiphany moment for you um, yeah, at some point yeah, in your life I mean, where you're saying, yeah, this, this can work to my match? And I ask because, yeah, I'm sure lots of us have family members, I do, that, that uh, you know, fight with this, that have uh, ADD or ADHD and, and who, in my case, you know, a family member who feels like this defines him and not necessarily no in a positive way. No question about it. You know, for me, it was really sort of waking up. Uh, I had one job in my life. I worked at America Online. I worked there for three years. I moved out of, I left AOL, moved back to New York in 95, 96, and I started uh, consulting. No, 97, actually. I started consulting and I started, I took a, a job and a week into the job, I like, wow, I, I don't know how to work in an office. I don't know how to work for other people. I don't know how to what do you mean, punch in for a time card. What, what are you talking about? I'm going to kill someone. And that's when I realized that I, I needed to be on my own. And, um, you know, my motto has always been, if it fails, I'll get a job. And it's been 18 years, and I've never had to get a job. So I've been very, very fortunate in, in that regard. So what aspect of it have you used to your benefit? You say about, you know, combining it with, with a dose of adventure and, and courage, actually, I think, to, to make it work for you. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to know yourself. You know, I understand that <clears throat> I work best when I'm fueled with endorphins. Um, and so I do everything in my power to get those in a healthy way. So I'm up at 3.45 every morning. Um, I'm at the gym by 5.30. Ironically, as I talk to you, I'm currently, I currently have a, a, a foot that was just operated on and I can't go to the gym and it is destroying me yeah. because not being able to, you know, I've had to find alternate ways to get endorphins. Um, and it's, it's difficult. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, you know, so the, the only, my outlet for endorphins was, was exercising and skydiving. I'm a licensed skydiver and not being able to do those two things with a, with a, with an injured foot, it makes it very, very difficult. And I've seen a, a, a tremendous sort of downward, um, uh, uh, not spiral, but you know, my, my mood has not been as good. I've had everyone going, what's wrong, dude? You don't look, I'm fine. Leave me the hell alone. You know? <laughs> so I need to start getting, so I, another week the stitches come out and I could get back in the pool at least. And that's something, Yeah. but you know, so, but I understand myself. I know how I work and I know exactly what causes that and how to fix it. So, I mean, sort of taking sort of a broader message and, and look at that is, is, you know, we have sort of primarily sales and marketing audience, entrepreneurial audience is, you know, sort of the message for people who don't fit the mold, because that's a lot of times I find is that there's in sales, in particular these days, more and more has become more data driven. It's trying to fit people into a mold. It's such a mistake. And yeah, I mean, so so what's the advice you give somebody, you know, a salesperson who's yes, you know, boss is saying, hey, you have to follow this process, and it's like, well, but if they just gave them a little leeway, they could you know exhibit and use their own skills, their own specialness. To succeed in that role, that doesn't necessarily fit to that process. I think the best thing I did is you need to, bosses need to understand that they're hiring the people they're hiring. A chance are that one of them is going to have ADHD, and to try to fit them into a mold is a mistake. The best thing you can do is create is let the people work the way they want, and 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 knowing that they'll do what they want, and knowing that they will be more successful that way. For me, uh, you know, it has to be that way. I can't. So I have certain rules. You know, if you want me to do something, you can't tell me, oh, just do it whenever. If you tell me to do it whenever, I will not get it done. You must give me a deadline. You must give me a deadline. That's not up for discussion. If you tell me, you know, even if you don't need to give me a deadline, give me a deadline. You know, if you don't need it for another week, tell me you need it in six days and, and you will have it. But mm -hmm. as long as you give me a deadline, if you don't give me a deadline, you know, when you're ADHD, there are two speeds. There is now and not now. Uh, there are two times, now and not now. That's it. So if you tell me, um, oh, just whenever. That's not okay. You have to make sure that you give me a deadline. And so, you know, knowing those things mm -hmm. and knowing about myself, 
um, are, you know, that's important. Okay. Well, so so sort of broaden that discussion a little bit. Is is this episode going to air at the beginning of 2017? Lots of companies are finishing their the planning for that that new year, um, and we have a lot of entrepreneurs uh, scale ups to, to use the the Vern Harnish term uh, and sales folks. So, what should be people's first priority as they're starting to plan for the year, or finish up their plans for the year? I mean, it's it's uh, you know a lot of focus on sort of people, product, and activities, but I rarely see, and this is something that you talk about, I rarely see anything about customer service. One of the biggest mistakes I see is, is, is companies looking at customer service as a, um, as a uh, cost structure. It's actually a tremendous price increase, or, I'm sorry, a tremendous cost benefit. You can actually generate a ton of, um, a ton of revenue if you do it right. If you uh, understand that your audience wants to share how great you are, they just need a reason. And that reason is they expect to be treated like crap. So if you understand that and you could treat your audience a little bit better than what they expect, you'll actually do very, very well when it comes to treating them the way they want to be treated, treating them the way they want to, uh, 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 the better than they expect. And then they will go out and they will tell the world uh, sort of how great you are. Here's the thing. No one believes how awesome you are if you're the one that has to tell them, right? <laughs> you know, right, exactly, if, I, right. if I'm at a bar and I go to a woman and say, you don't, you don't know me, but I am amazing in bed. You know, you, they're going to throw their drink in my face and go right back to doing whatever they were doing. I have, I've done a lot of research on this. That's exactly what they'll do. Now, if... Um, so you've, you've used that line. Oh, without question. Yeah, well, you know, for science, for science. Yes, for science, now, right. Uh, on the flip side, if they go back and they, um, they say... Um, if I'm just sitting at the bar by myself and there's a guy over there, or the girl, a girl that I'm interested in, she, her best friend turns around and says, you know, I know that guy. That's Peter Shankman. He's pretty amazing. You should totally go talk to him. At the very least, I'm uh, getting her number. And that's, that's how these things work. You've got to understand your audience. And no, again, no one believes you if, if you're the one that has to tell them. So if we make customer service and the, improving the customer experience are part of the integral part of the plan for growing sales in the upcoming year, how do you sort of start that process within a company? Because, I mean, a lot of times it's, it's really an afterthought. And as you said, it's a cost center. It's perceived to be a, a pain. And you talk about zombie loyalists, which I, I love the way you describe it. It's just sort of people unthinkingly keep buying what you're selling. How do you start that process? I mean, to me, it seems like it starts at the top. Yeah, the premise is very simple. You have to understand what your audience is looking for, what they want. Um, and the best way to do that is to start off by asking them. You know, no one asks, no one asks their audience. No one bothers to say, hey, you know what, how can I, uh, how can I make this better for you? What can I do to help you? Um, and, you know, the simple act of asking and listening is, is just ridiculously easy. But no one does it. Just no a survey, like a survey it. monkey. Yeah, not survey. even a survey. Talk to, Go talk the to them. To talk to the people. The problem with surveys is that you know, I have a um, – surveys drive me crazy. I get United Airlines I'm, – I'm one of United's one, top 1% 1 of flyers. Top 1% of flyers. And um, they treat me very, very well. But every time I have a flight, they send me a survey at the end of it. And they ask me – the last question on their survey, and this is going on 240-something surveys in a row, the last question on their survey is always, on, our ne on your next, what can we do to improve your next flight? 
And and for 240 something surveys in a row, I have sent the entire sent the exact same email or exact same response in that survey. On my next flight, please refer to me as Peter, Lord of the Skies. <laughs> now, here's the thing: I don't ever expect them to do that. Okay, I don't expect them to refer to me as Peter, Lord of the Skies. I don't expect them to do anything like that. But you know, it'd be nice. After 240 of the same exact surveys in a row, you know what I'd love? I'd love a phone call. Hey, asshole, stop. <laughs> right? We're not going to do that. We're not ever going to call you Peter, Lord of the Skies. Just stop it. Because you know what? That simple act of showing me that, you, that you're pissed off with me or that I'm driving you crazy, you know what that means? That means you're listening. listening. right? That means you're listening to me. And that's all I want. I don't need more than that. I just, I just want to know that you're listening and that you matter. So, you know, can you do that? Can you, um, can you show me that, that you matter and that, that I matter because you were listening to me? That's, that's it. I don't need much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about that listening to an example about, uh, my wife and I own this fractional ownership at a resort in Hawaii and, and, you know, we've owned it for, I don't know, nine years now. And, Every time we show up and check in, the first question they ask us is, is this your first time staying here? <laughs> <laughs> and it just drives me absolutely nuts. And yep. I've done the same thing. I've, I've put it in surveys to the company. And, you know, they've never, <laughs> they've never paid attention or responded to it. Uh, I've, you know, I finally spoke to the general manager of the property, but it's, it's like just a simple thing. Yep. And, so, you know, and again, I don't, need, I don't need rocket science. I don't need you to... There's so much about customer service that I don't need you to do. For instance, I don't need balloons. I don't need. I don't need special whatever. I, I need you to just be a little bit. I need you to know my name. I need you to not, um, you know, to again not ask me if this is my first time saying if I've been there nine goddamn times. Mm-hmm. Simple, stupid things. I just need you to be a little bit better. Well, and the customer experience really begins in the first. You know the sales audience is is the really starts during the process of selling. Totally, and it's, and you know again it's 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 it, we're so focused on the sale. Don't be focused on the sale. Focus on what else you can do. Focus well, yeah. on how else you can help me. Focus on you know if I'm coming to you, if you're in a sales position, I'm coming to you. You know why I'm coming to you? I'm coming to you because I have a problem. Whatever that problem is, if I if I go to the airport, what's my problem? I want to travel somewhere. I need to fly somewhere. If I go to McDonald's, what's my problem? I'm hungry for crappy food. You know? So if you approach each customer in the respect of here comes a customer to my uh, to my booth, my station, my whatever, what is their problem? How can I solve it? That changes the entire perspective of what that um, issue is. Right, because then it's no longer oh, okay. I have to help this customer. It's how can I solve their problem, and that's just a massive, massive difference. And it's evident to the customer. So no, in, in the business to business space, which a lot of the audience here is, is the same with. exact thing. There is absolutely no difference. Exactly. At the end of the day, there is there is. I've never seen a business hire. I've never seen a business buy from a company. People in that business buy from the company, and that is a massive difference. And you know, it's no different than if I'm buying from you. Um, as a consumer, I'm buying from you as a consumer. I just happen to be representing a business, and it's a much larger order. I'm still going to get my recommendations from people I trust. I'm still going to get, uh, 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 you know, the ideas of what I should buy from people I trust. There's no difference. 
in that regard and and to say oh it doesn't work for business to business bullshit it totally works oh absolutely i'm a huge believer in it because i think that in today's environment is certainly true in b2c and certainly in b2b is that's really hard to establish maintaining sort of meaningful product differentiation technologies are copied so quickly and ideas are copied quickly that you know at the end of the day all the vendors look alike so what are customers basing their decision on exactly it's based on the individual they're dealing with no question about it and so, I mean, it seems like one of the key criteria to me that's a real customer service, you said you take the service orientation to it, is that when they give you some of their time, you need to make sure you're giving them something of value for that time yeah. they're giving you. No question about it. You know, again, I don't need you to, I don't need anything special. I just want you to be a little bit better than, than, than what I expect you to be. That's all. That's not that hard. God. Yeah. Well, I call it the 1% difference. You know, I've, I, I, you know, put this question out when I talk to groups is, you know, I ask people say, well, tell me how much you won your last deal by. Yep. You know, you, did you win by 10%? Did you win by 20%? And no one, no one knows the answer, obviously. Yep. But you only have to be 1% better. No question about it. No question so it comes about down it. to little just, things. That's the thing. Again, don't be awesome. Just be a little bit better than crap. I don't need you to be great. You know, and Tony Robbins is a friend and he's, oh, we're going to walk on fire. I don't need you to fucking walk on fire. That's hard. <laughs> I need you to walk on fire. I just want you to suck a little less, for God's sake. Not that hard. Just suck a little less. Well, the suck a little less is, it's funny, it's really sort of a, based on this assumption that our customers expect the customer service to be horrible. Well, they do. And that's the issue. Just be a little bit better than horrible. Just be a little bit better than their expectations. Exactly. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. Hmm. <laughs> So, and you know, I think the funniest part about that all is that is that everyone looks at oh my god, this is going to be ridiculous. I'm like, no, you're just an idiot. This is not going to be ridiculous at all. It's not going to be difficult. You're going to make a ton of money, a ton, you know. And you're going to be because look, we're moving towards a world where the entire premise on uh, the customer experience is going to be based on what happens already. I.e., if I go to the same place. If I go to the same um, um, Mexican place, you know, a hundred times a year, mm-hmm. and it's five feet from my apartment, and you come to New York, and you go to Google Maps, you say, you know, I'm hungry. Where should I eat? And Google Maps says, oh, hey, your friend Peter goes to this. It's going to show you all the other restaurants near you but the first one it's going to show is where your friend goes because that's who you trust and that changes everything because as soon as the uh as soon as you start seeing things from a different um um the perspective of people you trust and the expect perspective of the experiences they had then the experiences become the sales motivation and the advertising no longer matters. Yeah, I mean, there's there's school of thought saying that that right for the reasons exact reason you talk about that advertising and the value promises and advertising really losing a lot of its value because because of referrals because we're so connected because we get that information from other sources that that the value of brand is decreasing. Exactly. So one of the things I'd be interested in your opinion on is because you know you speak to and you work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies, large enterprises, is in certain segments, especially in the sales space, there's this thought that technology is going to enable companies to sort of 
you know, disintermediate the salesperson, take them out of the process, mm-hmm. if you will. And it seems like that's really removing, you know, one of the key aspects to creating a differentiated customer experience. I think there'll always be a need for uh, a salesperson, but I think that the value we place on them will be less. How so? In that the salesperson is going to become more of a friend to the customer, and the customer might call the salesperson if they need something specific, but in terms of technology and things like that, it will replace the concept of the salesperson in that I don't need... I don't need everything. I don't need you to start taking me out for pizza. I don't need you to, to treat me to a baseball game. I just want to get my shit done and go home. Right. And technology is allowing me to do that. So I will call the salesperson if I have a problem. But until that point, you know, just show me something online where I can book it. I don't want to. When I, when, I go, when I check into a hotel, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to go to the hotel. I just want to check in. And if my key is already on my phone, that makes life a lot easier. So if I don't need to stand online, if I don't need to check in, well, that's a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I look at it along those lines as well. Well, I think that's that's sort of a point we're at to some degree, and it's certainly a business business yeah, basis. Yeah, but it's definitely growing. It's definitely we're, in 2017. We're going to see a massive increase in that. And how do you see that that happening? Well, just because everything you look at, you know, every I'm talking to I'm talking to a company right now that services nothing but B two B, and they're about to unveil an entire. Uh, uh, tech-based, for lack of a better word, tech-based ordering system that's going to completely um, change how the order process happens from beginning to end. And that's going to make a huge, huge difference for customers, for Mm -hmm. salespeople. Salespeople are going to have to understand what they need to do differently. right? How are they going to be able to live their lives? How are they going to be able to work? What are they going to be able to do right? that changes their lives? So they're still relevant. Well, you know, that's, I, that's the key. Is uh, I think for too many sales reps, they get get complacent. And the fact is that you always have to measure your the value you provide based against the technologies that are out there. I look at I look at you know what blows my mind more than anything. We're sitting here retraining you know coal miners and retraining mine people and like that. And we're making them. You know, we're doing. We're making them truck drivers. Which is probably not the best thing no, we because they're going to become autonomous, right? Because in seven years, trucks in five years, trucks. So you know, you look at things like that, and you're like, "My God, what is wrong with us? Why are we doing this?" So you need to you need to start thinking about that. And so, is the answer though in your mind? Is the answer? I mean, certainly, as I've I've thought about that for salespeople as they're thinking about it, is is they need to be able to continually increase the level of value that they can provide to the customer? There has to be a bigger version of value. What is value? Value is no longer just, oh, hey, we'll take you out to dinner and get you drunk. Value oh, has to be absolutely. specific to what the customer wants. So that has to be, you have to be able to answer that question specifically. What does the customer want? And what do they need uh, from me in order to get their job done? Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's really the point. It's it's really it's at that point, I think, to a large degree and, and a lot of the B2B space now is yeah, if if you think your relationship with your customer is based upon taking them out to play golf, then yeah, you're you're wrong. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's about what can you do to help them get their job done in the least period of time possible. And you know, again, it becomes that question of if you do that, you'll find that life actually becomes easier for you because it's less you have to do. Exactly. 
And so, Peter, we're going to move into the last segment of the show here where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And the first question I ask is a hypothetical scenario. And in this scenario, you, Peter, have just been hired by a company to be their new vice president of sales because their sales have stalled out. And they're trying to do a sales turnaround. CEO is anxious to make things happen. So what two things would you do in your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? The first thing I'd do is I'd sit down and listen to uh, their customer service team. No one listens to the customer service team. The customer service team is considered this stopgap between we have a problem and uh, the rest of the company. But if you sit down and actually listen, they know light years before everyone else in the company what's wrong. So I'd sit down and I'd, I'd buy them all pizza and I'd listen to them. And I'd hear their top biggest complaints. I'd hear the top biggest complaints from their customers. Okay. From right. that, uh, from that, you could start building an idea of what's wrong with your sales model. Why are sales stalling? Are, are sales stalling specifically because the people who were buying once have moved on? Have they gone somewhere else? Are they dead? What's what's the problem? Is it are you targeting the wrong audience? Has the audience that you you used to target are they no longer valuable? You know, you have to ask those kind of questions. And the best way to do that is to start with the customer service team. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because I've now asked four hundred people, <laughs> experts, that question. I think that's only the second time somebody said start with customer service and talk to them first. Yep. No question about it. It has to has to happen because, you know, again, customer service is the first line of defense. They are the ones who know everything before it happens. You want to know when layoffs are coming? Talk to the customer service team because they'll you from there they'll tell you what products are not selling. They'll tell you what people are calling to ask for the most number of returns, and that you can extrapolate out of that how your company's doing for the next year. Yeah, it seems so straightforward. Yet, seems the antithesis of what most companies do. Yep. Interesting. All right. So here we got some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or elaborate cool. if you wish. So the first one is when you, Peter Shankman, are out selling your own services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? I think for me, it's the uh, other people who have heard me speak, who have, heard, who have worked with me, um, who are willing to share that. Um, you know, I like to be a connector. I like to do things for people that don't cost money. I like to do things for people, or like, rather that I don't have to charge them for. <laughs> you know, I'll show up at meetings. I'll show up at meetings and be like, "Hey, I happen to be in the area. Um, I have lunch." You know, or "Hey, I saw that you were looking for whatever. Here's some my my thoughts on that. Happy to do it. Feel free." You know, and that that's a much nicer way of getting customers as opposed to look at how awesome I am. Hire me. Right. So I think my my number one attribute is just is just wanting. I like to help people. Giving. Yeah. Okay. Who's your sales role model? I don't know if it's sales per se, but I like what Richard, how Richard Branson does everything. Mm-hmm. His whole premise is that he just he works that out. Seth Godin is very good at this as well. Um, so what, you know, do you, the, what do you like about them in particular? Just the concept that that they are always looking for non the non traditional way the, the traditional ways of selling are are, are skeevy. They're cheesy. Mm-hmm. They're they're gross. I I like non traditional ways. I like when you're not selling to me. You're just doing stuff to to make me happy. Do stuff to make me happy. I'll buy from you every time. It is that simple, by the way. It really is. And I try to tell people that all the time. I mean, it's not always easy to get to that point, but it certainly is that simple. So what, other than any of your own books, what's one book you'd recommend every salesperson should read? Um, well, Zombie Loyalists is a great one. Um, that was my book on creating these raving fans. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of that one. Uh, raving Fans was the original. That came out, God, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. They, they made me read that at uh, AOL. 
Um, that was written by whom? Raving fans was Ken Blanchard, I believe. All right. Well, we'll look it up. Yeah. Raving fans. Okay. Uh, great book. And then I, of course, anything, um, anything that makes me think differently, you know, the art of war, I've been reading that for years. Um, anything you can, I, I think you can learn and get anything out of sales, anything out of anything out of anything out of any book can benefit your career if you know how to apply it. So what about a non-business book? Do you have a favorite non-business book that, that inspires you in business? What is my favorite business, non-business book? Um, there is a book called Vertical Run, which is about a guy who gets trapped in a building where everyone in the building wants to kill him. And he, it's an office building, and he spends the entire day getting out. And every time I read it, I figure out new ways to uh, attack problems, as it were. Interesting. Vertical Run. I love those types of books. Okay. Yeah. Again, do you recall who, off the top of your head, who wrote it? Yes, Vertical One was written by, hang on, it was written by Joseph Garber. All right. Excellent, good recommendation. Okay, last question for you. So, uh, what music is on your playlist these days? Currently on my playlist, and I can pull up my playlist for you right now, is, let's see, um, music. I have a 2016 marathon training playlist, and it has everything from Audio Machine to there even is some Nickelback on there to Pitbull. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're to the only one that's read that's that's Hamilton, actually talked about that. Hamilton, One Republic, Taylor Swift, My Chemical Romance, oh, um, extremely diverse. A lot of Broadway, uh, Lunch Money, Lewis. It, it it's really really varied. Excellent. A lot of 80s. That's not bad either. So, but you are the first to mention Nickelback, or at least you know, pop to I, it. So, I got to be honest. I got to be honest and own it. All right, very good. All right, well, Peter, thanks for being on the show today. So, tell people how they can connect with you and find out more about what you do. Uh, my life is at Shankman.com, and the mastermind I run is at Shankminds.com, and I'm at Peter Shankman on all of the socials. So, your mastermind, just for people who are listening, might be interested. So, do you have like a community and a? Yeah. And a mastermind group separate, or it's all one? It's all one. We have, uh, we have in-person uh, gatherings every few months, but primarily it's online. About 150 CEOs, entrepreneurs, salespeople, things like that, all in this group, and we, we work with each other to sort of battle each other's problems. It's actually a pretty awesome group. I'm a huge, huge fan of everyone in that. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, again, thanks for joining us. And thank you, friends, for spending this time with us. Remember to make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is join my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Peter Shankman, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.